church. Do you want to give money directly to them? Check out the brochure. You can do it. Do you want to write a check to the church and get it to them? Can. The church is giving them an offering. Uh, but we believe in what they're doing. And I tell you what, because uh, they're, they're investing in the lives of those kids, uh, I, I just believe that what we're doing right now is going to last for several generations. Amen. So uh, thank God for the opportunity to be a blessing. Amen. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, would you hold your hand up? The ushers will bring you a Bible. It's our gift to you. Just want to encourage everybody here, get in the Word, know the Word, grow in the Word. Hello? Come on, guys. Get in the book. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the book. Amen. Let's stand together one more time. Get a Bible in your hand. Hold it up there. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. See, I've got an open mind and a teachable spirit from this moment forward. I'll never be the same. Say, never, never, never in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord one more praise offering. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. We're excited you're here today. This is the express service for people who like to sleep in, still have somewhere to go for lunch. Uh, what does the word express mean? Apparently nothing. Okay. <laughs> I just I got to pre-warn you. Jeez, I don't know. I'm going to try. Amen. Hey, did you read the paper, uh, yesterday's paper? You see on the front page, they fell from the sky, and, and they landed here. Praise God. Glad you guys are with us. You know, you know, it's crazy. Some people say, well, how do we know God's real? Fly with those guys. <laughs> the, the planes, is it torn in half? Is the plane broken? So, well, it, uh, Crankled. Crankled. It's totaled. They, oh, the engines came out and everything. Cool. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, <laughs> crash an airplane and walk away from it. God's probably on your side, right? Uh, Asher, five-year-old boy here in the church, fell out of the bunk bed, had a little collision on the way down, broke his collarbone, smashed his skull, bruised his brain put him on an airplane to fly him to Harborview because of the bruised brain. By the time they got to Harborview, we had called the prayer team. Everybody's praying. By the time they got to Harborview, what, what bruised brain? Um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I realize some of you are saying, well, they must have made a mistake here. Sure they did. It might be your brain that's bruised. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm in a good mood. I don't know why. It's awesome. Praise Jesus. Are you growing? Some of you went, what? Are, are you growing? Are, are, you, are, this, are, are you the same? Aren't you glad you're growing? Amen. You, 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 aren't you glad you're not the same guy you were, you know, last week, last month, last year? Come on. Trust me, people, people sitting right behind you, they're believing God for even greater growth than you. Uh, everybody, everybody needs to grow. Everything God's given you, he intends you to grow. You're not accountable to God only for what you possess. You're also accountable to God for the potential that's locked inside that which you possess. Uh, if you don't believe me, read the Word of God. The Word of God, read the story about the talents who got in trouble, the guy who didn't increase what God gave him. you got to take what God's given you. you got to grow it. Well, if God wants it to grow, he'll make it grow. Well, you're probably going to die with a nasty attitude, and they're going to have to light your funeral and say you were a good man. The fact of the matter is, is you have got to make it grow. Right? You are accountable to God to make your stuff grow, make your life grow. How do I do it? Well, start by walking by faith. Right? Walk by faith. You know, F, find your strength. What's your strength? 
joy. Well, I shouldn't have joy right now. You've got to have joy right now, right? Joy is a fruit, man. Get the fruit activated in your life, right? The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering. Get the fruit. Grow something, right? Grow it and get it activated in your life. The A of faith, act like a believer. If you're not going to act like a believer, please throw away the T-shirt. Get the bumper sticker off the car. Quit telling people you're a believer if you're not going to act like one. Well, what does an act, uh, believer act like? Well, I don't know. What would Jesus think if he was in your situation? What would his attitude be if he was dealing with what you're dealing with? Doesn't the Bible say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? One translation there says, take on the same attitude that Jesus had. Get, get a different attitude. You know, the problem with a lot of believers is they got the wrong attitude. Well, how come they got the wrong attitude? Because they live in the wrong life. They ain't living the, the Zoe life, the abundant life, to the top, in abundance till it overflows, the crazy, outrageous, extravagant life that Jesus came to connect you to. Why not? Because you like, you're not living like a believer. You settled for something less than, than what God really had in mind. Well, start acting like a believer. The eye of faith. Increase your praise. Increase your praise. Well, you you, you got a reason to praise. God's on your side. Amen. I said, you got a reason to praise. He rescued you out of the jaws of hell. You were separated for an eternity from God, but he sent his son and reconciled you to himself through his son who died on a cross, who picked you up out of the miry clay, set your feet upon a rock, put a new song, even praise unto your God in your mouth. Increase your praise. T, talk life. Talk life. Talk life. Talk life. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Not just the power of death. The power of life and death. Right? So if life's going to get invested in your situation, it's probably going to have to be you unless your mama's going to follow you the rest of your life telling you it's going to be okay. Right? She, she probably won't even do it. You want life? You're going to have to be the one to do it. Take the floaties off, head for the deep end. Right? Come on. Look at your neighbor say, toughen up, buttercup. H of faith. Have fun. Some of you guys are so serious and about the wrong stuff. <laughs> Everything that seems so vital to you probably doesn't make a particle of difference. Man, lighten up, have fun. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life. Right? Abundant life to the top till it overflows. Man, we need this life. I got news for you guys. We need life. God's looking for a people who will not wait till they're dead to experience eternal life. Eternal life, that's Zoe life, Z-O-E, just like your thing. I noticed that this morning. I thought, well, check that out. We got Zoe in the house. Okay, but Zoe life, eternal life, is not just for when you're dead. Matter of fact, it ain't really going to do you all that much good when you're dead. When you go to heaven, you made it. Right? And then you're going on to a new thing, a new level. You probably have some new stuff to learn. But here's the deal is eternal life starts now. When you were born again, Jesus said to a man, he said, you know, you, um, except you're born again. You got to be born again, right? When you get born again, what happens? Life is deposited inside of you, zoe. That's the life Jesus came to connect you to. You've got to have that life. Well, how do I activate zoe life? It, well, it's, it's by dealing with your life. You got to let your life die so his life can reign. 
right? But see, we have a small problem is because we have a fear that we don't want to admit that we have, and that is the fear that if we do what he said, we're not really going to see him produce what he promised. That, that my way is a pretty good way. You know, I, 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 got a, I got a handle on this thing, and, you know, I've worked hard, and, and I've got my education, and I've got my house, and I've got my family, and I've got, uh, I've got that, and, and then I'm going to die, and I'm going to go to heaven. Well, see, wouldn't it be sad to find out that what you had that, that worked all your life for, and e- even though it was, it, you know, it, it was pleasing to you, it was just about one quarter of a fraction of what God really wanted to give you. He wanted to take your family and explode life inside of it. He wanted to take your house and have Zoe life all over the place. He wanted to take your business and change the lives of everybody that came in contact. Not, not just bringing finances in, but changing lives as people walk through your door. See, there, there's something we've got to wrap our mind around, that is the reality that when you allow God's will to be done in your life, it'll always produce more than your will. The thing that you're fighting to contain, if you would let that die, God would make it better. Right? Look at your neighbor and say better. Look at this. Uh, Proverbs 13, 13 is our foundational scripture for this series. And, and in the message it says, ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's commands, grow rich. How many of you realize that increase in blessings, what's God's, that's what God has in mind for you? Here's a scripture you might not have heard before, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan isn't to hurt you, it's to help you. God's plan isn't to, to, isn't to remind you of your past, it's to connect you to your future. You have an enemy that's constantly reminding you of failure in the past so that you'll stay there. You've got a God who's holding the future door wide open saying, come with me. But in order to walk with God, like, like Micah 6.8 tells us we're supposed to walk with God, well, Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So you've got to get into agreement with God in order to walk with God. But when you walk with God, he's going to lead you into the future and it's going to be an incredible experience of increase and blessing. And you're going to see stuff that used to be okay become out freaking standing. Well, I'll just keep what I've got. Why? Why not get what God's got? John 12, 24. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Everybody say alone. What that means is no fruit. Say no fruit. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. Isn't it even more fun to say much fruit than it is to say no fruit? Except, except it dies, it ain't bringing nothing forth. But if it dies, it's bringing forth much fruit. He that loveth his life, notice we've gone in one verse from seed to life. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it until life eternal. So we've gone from seed to life. If you hang on to your life, you're going to miss out on it, the high life God has for you. Look at the next verse. In verse 26, it says, if any man serve me. So we go from seed to life 
to serving. How, how do I get Zoe life activated in my life? By serving. Why? Because with, with what? With my life. i got to let my life die so it will produce God's life in me. i got to let my will die so I can have God's will produced in me. My life is my seed. My seed is my will. God's life is God's seed, and that seed is going to be coming alive inside of you. It's his will. God's will. See, a lot of us are so afraid that if we really pursue the will of God, we're going to end up in Zimbabwe. No, if you pursue the will of God, you're going to end up with abundant life. Man, it, you know, honestly, if, if you would be empty and, and broken and, and torn, well, why in the world would God send you to Zimbabwe? God knows. He put the desires in your heart. Do you believe the word of God or not? It says that, that he's given you the desires of your heart. So the desire of your heart, God put it there. In the next verse, it says if you trust him, he'll even bring it to pass. He'll even cause that desire to come out and become fruitful. Right? So that you know what love and joy and peace and long. So you, you're going to know that because it's going to be fruit in your life. It's going to be a rich harvest. Look at this in the Amplified Bible, John 20. 24. I assure you, most solemnly, I'm telling you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just one. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. See, if you're hanging on to your life, right, you got your life. But you're alone. You're not walking with God. You're alone. Oh, you got a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. Good for you. But God ain't with you. There, there's no demonstration of supernatural power in your life in the, or in your world. You got the same problems as everybody else does, and you're handling them with the same reasoning that everybody else does, and you're getting the same results that everybody else gets. Well, don't you realize that God wants you to be positioned in a little bit different spot? That God would love to do nothing more than to show supernatural intervention on a daily basis in your life. He'd love to position you to demonstrate Satan's defeat every single day. He'd like to empower you and infuse you with an inner strength that humiliates the powers of hell. He'd like you to go through life and not wind up with the same outcome that everybody else has. He'd like you to wind up with a much fruit outcome. He'd like to position you to just enjoy life. Come on, somebody. Well, how am I going to get that? How do I do that? Well, I've got to let my will die. I've got to sow my life and my will in order to see God's life and God's will produced. Well, if it, don't you think if it's God's will, he'll make it happen? No. Say that again. You mean if it's God's will, it ain't going to just happen? No, it is not. If God was in that much control of your life, you'd be a lot nicer than you are. You're in control of your life. We pray it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then we go do our own will. Well, you, you can't even call that a prayer. You've got to call that a lie. Hello? That ain't praying. That's false testimony. How's the will of God going to get done? You're going to do it. You're going to line up and get in agreement with the word of God. And when you line up and get in agreement with the word of God, trust me, something inside of you, your will, may have to die. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to die. That's almost as fun as saying much fruit. <laughs> you got to die. The harvest that's coming is going to be multiplied exponentially because it's God's seed. God's life will produce way more than your life could ever produce. 
But if you hold on to your life, your will, your desire, and refuse to plant it and let it die, you will never enjoy the increase in the blessing. You'll just have your life. So in other words, to get the life that God wants you to have, there's going to be some sacrifice. And we call that much fruit. Sacrifice is going to produce much fruit. What, what is much fruit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So let's talk about love for just a minute. What, it, what is love? If I ask you today, do you love God? You probably would say yes. I love God. But if you do not, if there's no sacrifice connected to that love, that's pretty cheap love. See, we love God on an emotional level. We, 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 we like, we, you know, when things are going our way, when people on the job are being nice to us, when we got a promotion, when, when, when you know, Ed McMahon's chasing us down the street in the van and he's got our check in his hand, we love God right then, right? We love God emotionally. But see, love without sacrifice is nothing. Matter of fact, it's almost worse to constantly tell people, I love you. I love you. Okay, could you help me with this? No, but I love you. Hi, call your wife up. I love you, honey. Would you pick up some milk? Get it yourself. <laughs> I love you. I, 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 I love you. Well, you didn't know. I'm not going to do anything for it. Love without sacrifice is worthless. Matter of fact, to love God literally means, it literally means to lose yourself. To lose yourself. There's going to be a sacrifice if there really is love involved because love demands a sacrifice in order to prove itself. In other words, my thoughts, my emotions, my desire, anything that is out of agreement with the Word of God has got to go. Why? Because I love God. Can I, can I just be honest with you? In, in, in just a few minutes that we've got today, can I just tell you some truth? That there are days that to walk in obedience to God is to not get to do what I want to do. There are some things. It's not that we've become so righteous and so holy that we would never want anything wicked. No, it's that we've become so aware of what the will of God is that we have elected to say no to things even when we want it, even when your flesh is screaming, take it. But I'm not going to take it because I love God. Right? It's love. I, I, I want to, to go down a certain road, but I'm not going to because God's told me not to. And this is what you want from your children. Come on, parents. You want your children to obey, but in order for them to obey, they're going to have to be willing to sacrifice their will because not everything that you don't want them to do is something they don't want to do. Matter of fact, most of the stuff that you're asking them not to do is stuff that they want to do. That's why they want to do it. And so now that they want to do it in order to walk in obedience to you, they got to not do what they want and do what you want. That bites because I'd rather do what I want than what you want because I like what I want and I hate what you want. I've had this conversation somewhere before. Well, well, why? Why? I mean, you know, why can't I do that? Because you love me. That's cheating. <laughs> Every relationship we have, we've kind of messed up just a little bit because we do it emotionally. But if we're going to have love involved in it, you know, think about it, husbands and wives. You're going to love one another. What, what does that mean? That means that somebody's going to die. Hopefully it's both of you. Right? When two people die to themselves, now they, they can become one. But if they won't die to themselves, you don't have one. You have one, two ones. Right? But if they die, then you get one one. One one's better than two ones. 
in, in a marriage. It's, you realize that marriage is the closest thing to a relationship with God, really, to compare. Because what happens is you're, it's a covenant relationship. Uh, when, when God and Abraham were striking up covenants, they laid out the sacrifice there, and they came down, and they, they, they walked among the sacrifices. They would read the book. And, and, it, and in, a, in a wedding ceremony, do you realize that when the bride comes in and, and everybody stands up and the music changes and she's walking down the center aisle, do you realize that that's called the walk of death? Oh, joy. It's not, it's not just her death. Both parties got to die. If they, if they won't die to themselves, they're not going to have a joyful union. They're going to have a warfare. Why? Because you're going to have two people fighting for their will, fighting for their desire, fighting for, for their thoughts. For Guys, it don't work. Over 50% of marriages in America today end in divorce court. And when you go to court for divorce, you know what that you know what it is? It's a written document that gives yourself the ability to live. You're saying, I'm not gonna die, and I'm gonna prove it. When are we gonna put a stop to that? Well, well, if I die to myself, then he's gonna take advantage of me. See, here we are with that fear. The fear that says that if I do what God says, I'm not really gonna see what he promised. If I do it my way, see, I see what I get. I can control this over here. But what you can control, your life, your will, your desire, your plan, it's not going to produce nothing compared to what God's plan is going to produce for you. I mean, we got we got to wrap our brain around this, man, that, that God's will will produce much fruit in our life. It'll be a joyful experience. It'll be crazy good if we just do what he said. So what does that mean? Well, that means in a marriage that husbands, Love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and died for it. Husbands, die. Well, if I die, she's going to treat me like a punk the rest of my life. There's the fear that if I do what he said, he won't produce what he promised. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The wife says, well, if I, if I surrender my will and die in the marriage and, and I, I submit and honor and, and adapt to my husband, he'll take advantage of me. You, no, you'll be obeying God. And he will have a problem with God himself. You know, if, if, if I die to self and Shelby refuses to, well, I guess God's going to keep Shelby awake at night. He's got to do something. Why? Because he's going to produce what he promised for me. Because I'm obeying him. It really ain't got much to do with her. There are times when dying to self is tough. I'll grant you that. There are days when we don't want to die to self, but when you do, that's when much fruit is produced in your life. Hello, somebody. We, uh, we, we've, got, we've got to die to self. We've got to surrender our will so that his will can be produced in our life. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 36. This one was written probably for somebody who's not even here. Thou fool! This is for the CD recipient. Okay. Uh, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. The word quickened means brought to life. Look at it in Amplified. Oh, foolish man, every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up, and growing, unless it dies first. It's got to die first. See, a lot of us, what we've done is we've sown seed, but we, we don't let it die. 
you know, I, I wish we had one of these planters and, and, and a handle on the bottom and the dirt and everything sticking out, and I could reach in and carry it around. But, you know, what a lot of us do is we, we sow seed, but we're, we're in, our, you know, in dirt up to our elbow because we've never really let it go. You know, we, we always take it out and look at it and say, it ain't growing yet, and put it back. No, when it dies, it dies. It's gone. you got to let it go. There are some things in, in your relationships. There are some things in your finances. There are some things in your life. It's time to let it go. Well, but I really wanted it. Right. That's the whole point. You really wanted it, but now God's really going to make it grow. And when it does, is you know, it is the nature of a seed to reproduce multiplied fruit. So, that, in, in other words, when you sow that seed and that seed dies, that, that seed is going to produce a bunch of what you let die. It's going to be a powerful, supernatural reproduction in an incredible quantity of what you sow. You're not going to lose anything. You got to get you got to get over the mentality that thinks God's out to rip you off. Man, the Bible says the thief comes not but for to kill, steal and destroy. Man, God ain't trying to rip you off. He's trying to raise you up. He ain't trying to take from it. He's trying to get to you. Right? Well, We got to die. They're going to take advantage of me. You know how to never, ever, ever be taken advantage of again? Challenge every one of you married couples to do this. Don't want my wife to take advantage of me. I don't want my husband to take advantage. Okay, here's how they can never take advantage of you again. Give them the advantage. If I give Shelby the advantage, then she can never take advantage of me again. I'm going to live and give her the advantage. It's going to help me die to myself because I'm not living for what I want. But first, I'm going to find out what she wants and needs, and I'm going to live for that first. I'm going to give her the advantage. If there's a disagreement, I'm going to give her one up. Isn't that what God did for you when he came and gave you the advantage? He's offered you the advantage through a relationship with his son. He's given you an advantage in life. You, you got to re, re, remember in, in the book of Job when, when the devil was out talking to God about, about his servant Job, and, and, and he was telling God, it's not fair the advantage you've given Job. It's not fair that you have uh, uh, encompassed him with protection on every side. Now, trust me, that is not the same report that Satan was giving Job. When he was talking to Job, he was saying, you're going down. You haven't got a hope, man. You are done for. And he's talking to God on the same day about the same guy saying it's not fair that you have conferred prosperity upon him. It is not fair that he has such a huge advantage. God has given you the advantage. You can afford to give it to your neighbor. How does the Bible tell us to love God? With all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. There ain't much left for you, is there? And then he went further and he said, and love your neighbor too. Well, if loving God won't kill you, loving your neighbor will. <laughs> Look at this. Genesis 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. 
And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. She's going to leave that scripture up there for just a minute. Now, some of you, the only word that you really heard when I read the scripture is you heard the word ass used twice in church. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, he used the word ass in church. <laughs> and, and you got your stupid thing going on. And that might cause you to actually miss a very, very important portion of the scripture. Do you remember the story? Abraham's given a promise, right? But on the way to the production of that promise, Abraham couldn't wait so he got involved and did it his way. How many of you remember the story? Right? He did it his way. Doesn't it, does it sound anything like somebody you might know? That they've got a promise, but he couldn't trust God that if he did what he said, that God would produce what he promised. So he heard what God promised, so he tried to produce the uh, promise of God by his own hand. It didn't work. But somewhere along the line, God was working with him, growing him, teaching him, training him, and and finally, he receives the promise. It was 25 years after the promise was made that, that Isaac was born. 25 years is a long time to wait for a promise. But when you do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. So no matter how long you got to wait, you got to learn, i got to trust. Because I'm going to just do what God said to do. Why? Because I love God. And because I love God, how many of you have heard the scripture? that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. That means no matter what it looks like, God's using it for good for those who love God. Now, do you love God? Now, remember, you can't just get a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. If you love God, then you've got to be sacrificing to God. There's got to be some sacrifice on your part in order to demonstrate the love that you say you've got. But when you're willing to sacrifice then everything will work together for your good because you are in obedience to God's word and it's going to be okay. 25 years later, he receives the promise. Now it's about 14 years after that and God speaks to him and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about your son Isaac. And I'm sure that Abraham's pretty excited because he, he, this is a kid that's got a lot of promise, man. He's got a lot of future. Oh, really? What are we going to do with this? And God says, you're going to go up there and sacrifice him. Somewhere along the line, Abraham had learned something because you realize that he just got up and said, okay, we're going to the mountain tomorrow. Somewhere he learned to obey God because he knew that when I do what God says, I'm going to see the production of what he promised, and he has promised some incredible things on this boy, and I realize that my way of looking at it has messed me up before, so I'm not even going to pay attention to how I see it. I'm just going to do what God said. Hello? Are you with me? He learned something. We need to learn it. He's having to die to himself now. He's having to let his will die, his plan die, his thoughts die, his desire die, his emotion die. And he says, I'm going to go sacrifice my son. And if I asked you today, what did he head to the mountain to do? Well, he's going up there to sacrifice. No, he was going there to obey. He was going to the mountain to obey. And you know what I love? Look at that. What you and I would call obey, the Bible calls worship. See, worship isn't just slow songs with the lights dimmed. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Faith is not believing regardless of circumstance. Faith is obeying regardless of consequence. 
when you live by faith, you do what he said, even though it don't make sense to you because his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm going to elevate myself to his way of, of thinking so that I can walk in obedience to what he's told me to do so that I can see the production of the promise that he's placed inside my spirit. A lot of people are so frustrated in life. They're frustrated because they've heard the promises of God. It's like that little bread box, you know, that you set out on the table. It's that little tiny thing. It looks like a loaf of bread. It's got all those little scripture cards in it. You pull one out every day, and you read that, and you carry it all week long. That's my scripture of the week. I pulled it out, found one in there. It says Isaiah 54. Uh, it says, No weapon formed against thee shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against thee thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the sons of the living God. You're going, That's my scripture. And, and you go to church, and you tell everybody, No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I got my little scripture card, and then you go to work on Monday, and Monday through Friday, you get your hiney handed to you by a defeated enemy. You're beat up from the street up. You're bleeding. You're bruised. You're broken. You're depressed. You're hurting. And then you come back in here and fake it on Sunday. Go, I know I've been fired against me. God, prosper. And pretty soon the devil don't have to kill you because you're gonna go kill yourself. What's up with that? Well, actually, to get the last verse of Isaiah 54, you probably ought to start with the first verse of Isaiah 54. It says, "Sing, baby, sing." No matter what you're going through. No matter what you're going through, God comes to a barren woman and says, sing a song about children. Well, that's cruel. No, it isn't. That's faith. He said, if you do it, you break forth on the right hand and on the left. He said, if you do it, I'll use materials to build you that you couldn't possibly get your hands on. And I'll call it worship. It's a lifestyle of obedience. It's a lifestyle of obedience. See, the question today is not how do I get more of God. The question is, how does God get more of me? I need to grow empty. I said, I need to grow empty. Youth church, several months ago, I again, I, I repent. I probably should have gotten the materials and did it live for you, but I figured you could use your creative genius and pay attention and you'd get it. And it's a lot faster than me saying it and then doing it. In, in youth church, we took a picture tall, clear pitcher. We brought it in, and it's empty, and we had golf balls, and we said, fill that up with golf balls, and they begin to fill it up, and when it got full, is it full? Yes, it's full. Okay, are you sure this is full? Yes, it's full. So we opened up a sack of gravel that you put in the bottom of your fish tank. We started pouring that in and shaking the thing, and pretty soon after two or three bags of gravel, okay, now is it full? Now it's definitely full. Okay, you sure? Yes, it's full. So we opened up some bags of sand and started pouring fine sand in on top of that and shaking it, and the sand was making its way to the bottom. And, and we, I mean, it seemed as if you could go for days. Matter of fact, we, we never actually reached the part where it was actually full. And, and But do you, does it look full? Okay, let's call that full. Okay, then we took a pot of coffee, and we just poured it in there. Never did get it full. See, the golf balls represent things in life that really matter. Your wife, your husband, your children. Destiny moments, you know, uh, divine engagements, uh, things in life, life-changing things, the, the golf ball, the things that God wants to bring into your life, the relationships that he really wants to see blessed, the, the right things in your world. I mean, it, it, that's, those were the golf balls. The gravel represents other things that, that are needed that, that must be there, but you know, they got to be there, you know, like your job. And I realize that a lot of you think that your job is a golf ball. No, it ain't. Your job is not some vital thing. Your career is not all that important. Trust me, if you lost your career today, you'd probably find something else to do to take care of the really important thing. 
you know, your boat is not a golf ball. Your jet ski is not a golf ball. Your snowboard, skateboard, you know, and your favorite hoodie, that, those aren't golf balls. That's dirt. That's the sand. That's the stuff that really doesn't make a difference. Some of us, our container, our pitcher, is so full of dirt and a little teeny bit of gravel that there is no room for golf balls. We've allowed our life to be so filled up with stuff that doesn't matter. We spend so much time on the job that we don't have time for the golf ball, the thing that actually was what I was working for in the beginning. We, 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 we have so our minds so fixed on my will, my life, my stuff that God can't drop into you anywhere. That, uh, that if he brought a golf ball and set it on top of you, if you moved any direction, it would just simply fall out. So you've seen promises of God, you've seen the blessing of God, but you've never been able to contain it. How do I get my life, the life God wants me to have, is the pitcher filled with golf balls. Filled with things that really matter. Filled with things that really are destiny. Filled with things that really have life. How do I do that? Well, you've got to empty out yourself. You know, every time we sing this song, I see this picture in my mind. I see the illustration. When we're singing Empty Me, that's what I see. I see God coming, taking my life, the picture, and dumping it out. Washing it out and getting rid of all the dirt and all the junk that just has served to just make life heavier. And I see him taking that picture and beginning to put back now in there the things that are necessary. And, yeah, I got my job and I got some things, but it's not, my, my picture's not half full of gravel. It's just a little bit in the bottom. And there's incredible room now for the blessings of God and the, and the purposes of God and the plans of God to be placed inside my life. How do I get the life God wants me to have? I gotta let my life die. I gotta empty myself. I gotta say, you know what? It ain't about me. It's about him. You know, there's a little verse. It's just stuck right there in the middle of one of the gospels. John 3:30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Vision conference this year, a man by the name of Rick Godwin, great man of God from Texas, came and he spoke probably, what, 20 minutes? Life-changing. And he spoke about, I must. By the way, gentlemen, men's advance this year, September, Thursday through Saturday, first Thursday, I think it is, through Saturday. Rick Godwin's our guest speaker. You're going to want to be there. He spoke on, I must. Here's, here's your new I must. See, there's something different about an I must and an I should. There's something different about an I must and an I could or I might. No, I must. This is something that must occur in your life. I must decrease. And he must increase. And if we're not going to let God increase in our life, then let's quit telling people that we're the representatives of the most high God. Because you know what? In church, most of the time, we don't see a lot of God life. We see a lot of my life. We see a lot of our life. We see a lot of stuff that we've built. We see a lot of stuff that really matters to us. We see a lot of tools that God's put in our hand, but we've abused them to produce our will. And until we're willing to die and let his will rise up inside of us, we probably ought to realign ourselves and start telling the world the truth. We're people who know about God, but we ain't walking with him. But if we're going to walk with God, 
that we've got to get out of the way so he can fill us up. Man, his life plan for you. And it's not just inhaling and exhaling. It's not just not just giving you a house and giving you a car and giving you a job. It is to, that you would know real life through all of those things. That your family, that your relationships, that your body would be a living demonstration of what it is to let the invisible God become visible through you. I must decrease. He must increase. Will you do me a favor? Will you just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? I just want to pray for you.